everyone. Welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller-Degnan, our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, how's it going? Going going well, as, as usual. How are you in uh, Panthers land? Yeah, I'm uh, sitting up in, uh, I've stolen the Valley Sports uh, TV booth. I'm sitting in Steve Goldstein's chair right now. Um uh, we're finished up with the morning skate here. Uh, wanted to knock this podcast out uh, instead of making my long drive back to uh, to Miami this afternoon. I figured I'd, I'd pull up in here and uh, record. So excuse the noise. That's Alex Ovechkin slapping pucks at the the boards at FLA Live Arena behind me. I'll try to mute when I'm not talking. So no, it's, don't it's do that. I love to. No, um, don't mute. I love to hear it. It's great background. Yeah. Um, all right. So we've got a. Uh, a couple of different things to get to this week. Um, first, the draft, uh, which obviously was uh, pretty stressful for people who really care about Miami's nearly 50-year draft streak. Uh, it took until there were, what, like 20 picks left to keep that streak alive. Um, we, I, we also, like, I think we said it last week, we've kind of ignored the transfers that the Miami has gotten. Um, they've landed 11, obviously. Some we have talked about because they've been, you know, they practice in the spring or whatever. Right. Um, but we're going to, in the second half of the episode, run through those guys and maybe kind of talk about some of the impact we expect them to have. Uh, May 1st was a big transfer deadline for people to enter the portal. So stuff can still happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but Miami's in, in, you know, in all likelihood, any more additions, it'll just be like one or two here and there. I think most of the big ones are in the fold already and have found their new homes, except I guess maybe we'll, we, who knows what's going to happen with Jordan Addison, which is, is kind of the biggest name still out there from Pitt. Uh, but first with the draft, um, you know, we talked last week about whether we thought Miami was going to have a player drafted this year. And I think we both said we, we thought there would be. Um, I, I think both we talked really my rationale was basically, I think bubble Bolden and Charleston Rambo both have something close to like a 50, 50 shot to get drafted. Um, and then there was obviously like the slim possibility of maybe Mike Harley, uh, John Ford was a guy we didn't talk a whole lot about, but he winds up being the one who keeps the streak alive. Harley yeah. and uh, Harley, uh, Bolden, Rambo, Dierick, all those guys go undrafted. Instead, it's John Ford who, um, you know, kind of is, was a quiet contributor for most of his career at Miami, a nose tackle. Just what was your reaction uh, to that pick? Obviously pretty excited for, for John, who's came in as a big recruit, stuck it out all five years, I guess. Um, never was, like I said, always kind of unheralded, but uh, clearly a very good player and a guy the NFL um, thinks has, has some upside there. Yeah, I, my reaction was, what? Very loudly, though. And, and um, I, because I, I thought it might be Rambo or Bubba Bolden first to go, if, if they were going to go. Um, and, uh, you know, I had, I did, like, like you said, I did think John Ford had a chance, but mostly because he's huge, uh, great physical upside. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, as far as uh, being in the middle and, you know, stuffing up the middle there. Uh, but I was, I was kind of surprised. And so were the, you know, the guys on ESPN I was watching were kind of surprised too. Um, he just did. Yes. The way you said it was right. He was had a kind of a quiet career and um, didn't have as much production as, as we would have thought. I mean, it, 
and it seemed like his numbers went got worse, you know, as the years went on. So, you know, last season he had he had 14 tackles, half a tackle for loss, one quarterback hurry, no sacks at all. Um, and, you know, in 2020, he had 19 tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, one forced fumble. Um, I think the year before 2019 might have been his best year pretty much with 18 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss and three sacks. So that's kind of interesting. Um, and I, I think what they were saying, ESPN guys were saying, look, if you're if you're a guy that's six, five and a half and three thirty three or whatever he weighs, um, you, you know, you got to you got to show some production there. And, and we'll see what happens. He was quiet pretty much in every way. Right. We, we didn't really hear from him much and um, pretty much under the radar. Yeah, some of that's obviously the nature of his position. He was really kind of the, always the nose tackle, the guy taking right. blockers, that kind of thing. So, right. Um, but yeah, like at the same time, he was, you know, like he said, we didn't hear a lot from him because, you know, Nesta Silvera was Miami's best defensive tackle last year, right? Or right. Uh, and Jared Harrison Hunt in his, like, he's obviously been in and out of the lineup with some injuries in his short career. He has always been right. the more disruptive defensive lineman. Um, and Ford, I guess, is, you know, he's always, he always was like great out pretty well in those like PFF grades, uh, which obviously take into account more like, like doing your job, run, like run stuffing, that kind of thing, um, taking up blockers. So, but again, he was like, you know, Bubba Bolden was kind of had a better career than him. Like, you know, it, it's, it's a reminder yeah. of the NFL draft is, uh, I think it was Booger McFarlane on Thursday night. And the line he basically gave with when, when Trayvon Walker went number one, uh, which was, you know, a guy who did not have huge production at Georgia in a lot of ways is maybe their fourth or fifth best defensive player. Uh, the way he phrased it was like, I'm not drafting you based on what you did in college. I'm drafting on based on what I think you can do in the NFL. And, and Ford being the guy who keeps Miami streak alive is a nice reminder of that because, um, you know, you got to like, if it was based strictly on what they did in college, Eric King would have gotten drafted or whatever but well uh, yeah five, I mean, nine I, or five eight and john right. Ford, like you said is six five and 350 pounds or whatever 333 and i took but i totally agree with you it has to be based on you know what what they think about his potential in his future and based on that the body you know it's amazing how much i mean the physical part is is huge it's 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 I mean, when you and and just to prove it, you go to the other side and look at Charleston Rambo, the receiver who transferred from Oklahoma. And, you know, he, he broke UM single season record for receiving yards this year, eleven hundred seventy two yards. I don't I mean, that's great when you're when you're in a major conference, no matter who you play for, eleven hundred seventy two yards, seven touchdowns. 97.7 yard average a game, right? And and also for reception, 79 in the season. Um, I mean, it's weird. And, and it, it, the opposite holds true for him. He, he had huge production. He really did. But people were worried that he's very slow. Uh, I mean, he ran a 4.7. Relatively right? slow. Yeah, I shouldn't say very. Uh, yeah, you're right. That's better. Relatively, four, I guess a four seven, right? Forty at the combine, NFL combine, but oh no, that was Bolden. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He ran a four five seven. Right. Yeah, Rambo ran a four point five seven forty yard dash. But the thing is, he also is is I guess considered small. I don't. 
Yeah, skinny, it's, right. 177, he said it was up. But the point is, people didn't think he could block. He was kind of, uh, you know, overwhelmed by larger defensive players on him. So um, that's kind of interesting, too. I, I don't know. To me, I think someone should have taken a chance on him. I think he deserved to be drafted. I think, but then you watch the draft, you see so many great players and so many good ones that aren't drafted, but still maybe I'm prejudiced because I watched him play and he's a great guy. Nice, happy, go lucky kind of kid. I, um, I mean, that's it. It's like the opposite. That's all John Ford and, and, and then relatively Rambo to me. Yeah. Yeah. Those are. The, kind of the two and Rambo is such a cool story like kind of not an afterthought at Oklahoma but you know his, his role kind of faded comes back to Miami and it would have been really cool to see that story kind of get rewarded like you know takes a shot on himself somewhere else gets to be the number one guy really really made the most of being the number one wide receiver and um you know I I would tell, I bet he dresses for an NFL game this year like he's kind of wide receivers Wide receiver, the one thing, wide receivers, I don't want to say they're kind of a dime a dozen, but there's so, like you said, there's so many good ones. And, you know, it, it, I, I think on this podcast, we have been, we've not been Manny Diaz haters on this podcast, certainly. Um, but it's, it's kind of like an inauspicious, like, way. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's kind of like a, like a, I don't know, an ugly note, final note for, for Manny Diaz to leave his tenure on is that they came, what, what like 15, 20 picks away from ending this incredible draft streak. And obviously it's not all Manny's fault. Um, some of their best players were underclassmen, but um, a lot of it is the failures of the, the 2018 recruiting class that was really underwhelming and, and the uh, instability with the 19 recruiting class, uh, which was like the transition class for Manny. Um, but yeah, it was kind of an ugly, an ugly ending for uh, an era that just kind of reminds you. I don't want to say how far Miami is away from like Alabama and Georgia and all that. Cause we know all that, but like, you know, Miami, Ohio gets a player drafted before Miami, like, like the, the talent level that Miami had over the last couple of years has just clearly not been up to standard. It's something I think Barry Jackson has done a really good job writing about it like all year long was that like this team just doesn't have that top end talent. And that's, that's the biggest thing that needs to change. I think Miami's depth, like, you know, there, there's Miami caliber players at, at most spots, but that, that top end talent, they've, they've not had that star level ability. Um, and maybe some of these underclassmen you, you wrote about uh, today as we're recording, it'll be a couple of days old by the time this goes up. Miami's got a couple of guys projecting potential first round picks in, in 23, the 23 draft. The 24 draft has a chance, you know, that's the James Williams, Leonard Taylor, oh, yeah. like that has a chance to be really good. Um, but yeah, the, like it was a reminder of the upperclassmen just that the, the senior junior class this year was, you know, man, he said it all along, right. They're, they're building towards something better in the future. But again, it kind of came down to that, that blame also falls on Manny Diaz too, that he did not, you know, it took him some time to get things rolling. And, and, you know, yeah, I mean, looking at next year's, I know I did that story uh, that's in the paper, you know, now earlier this week, but, um, you know, the, the, the Van Dyke, everybody knows uh, if he stays healthy, you you never know what's going to happen, but everybody knows he's the guy that people are uh, projecting, you know, for the first round, even for the, like a top 10 quarterback um, first half, first 
third first quarter of the of the first round as high as seven um i see i see you know forecasts and interestingly enough zion nelson offensive left tackle who protects tyler was the one one of two guys last year one year ago when these stories came out right after the draft you know way too early mock drafts um Zion Nelson was one that was uh, projected to be a first rounder this year, but smartly he, you know, he wasn't going to go in the first round, whatever. He smartly stayed. He he has a real chance now, especially with Tyler. That was a great move. Mm -hmm. And, um, and some guys, I just want to say this, which is really interesting. I've thought about this. I've heard other people tell me this Bubba Bolden, is one guy, okay, who after his 2020 season, his best season, you look back now in hindsight and you say, man, maybe he, sh- he should not have come back. He, he, I, he, I think he might have gotten drafted. I don't know. I, yeah. It's always hard to say. The one thing I'll say with, with Zion, you know, I think if he'd gone out, he probably would have been my, he would have gotten drafted, right? He probably would have been like a third round pick or something. I, you know, he was uh, a really good left tackle this year, has those physical traits. But yeah, like you said, He's got a chance to come back and maybe be an all-American tackle and go in the first round. Um, and the other thing I would say, with like when you're saying with that with Bubba, like so much of it, as we kind of said, comes down to the testing. And that is like, sure, at the end of this, you know, at the end of the regular season, some guys are projected to be first or second round picks and then they get picked apart in the combine. And maybe that always is going to be Bubba Bolden's fate or, or some of these other guys who maybe waited too long to go out, right? Oh, he ran, but he ran fast. I mean, he ran yeah, fast. That's true. He ran, he, he, had he ran well fast. enough. Yeah, it's not, it wasn't he, like a Rambo situation. No, I mean, I think with Bubba, it's more, and you you never know, injuries. Yeah. I, I I don't, well, that's not really true. I mean, he was highly criticized for taking wrong angles. We've talked about that yeah, a million yeah. times. Pursuing consistent, I think, was always the biggest criticism on him he can make this spectacular play but then he would also just like kind of mess up basic things yeah but kids don't know when it's you know some of them a lot of them football's brutal and they get injured and and so that they've got to keep that in mind and it's tough all right um i think that can wrap things up on drafts let's take a quick break and we'll come back and uh talk about these transfers you ready showtime on May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. All right, we are back. Um, May 1st was a big transfer deadline. Uh, uh, the last day guys could kind of put their names in the portal and, and remain eligible, immediate eligibility. Um, obviously, everyone gets the free one-time transfer now, um, which Miami is not alone, but Miami is taking advantage of it. Uh, so far, they've landed 11 transfers. 
Um, and like I said, we've kind of ignored them or throw, maybe mentioned them at the end of episodes, except for some of the spring guys who obviously we've, we've talked a little bit more extensively about who we've gotten to see. Um, so, you know, I figure this is a good time to reset and then any other additions when they come on, like those can be, we can go deeper discussions um, just when that happens. But, uh, you know, a lot of guys who have gotten picked up in the last couple of weeks, like I said, we just haven't really mentioned Akeem Mesador, Caleb Johnson, Daryl Jackson. Uh, I think even Jonathan Dennis, when he transferred a couple of weeks ago, we didn't really touch on. Uh, Daryl Porter, like th- there's a lot of guys who are going to play big roles this year, potentially, or, or be long-term pieces. Um, and so what I decided to do uh, is I ranked them, uh, not in terms of how, uh, sort of like in terms of how, big additions they are going to be, but kind of specifically based on like how they fit with the upcoming roster. You know, obviously a lot of transfer additions, um, a lot of times are, are made and we saw with Manny Diaz was kind of the master of fill your, the stop gaps, get the one year guys um, to uh, make up for some deficiencies on the roster. Uh, I think you definitely see some of that. I, I think also, you know, it, more and more you're now seeing guys, picked up as transfers for multi-year additions. Obviously the one-time transfer allows for that. Whereas in the past, a lot of times it was guys who had graduated and, and could get that immediate eligibility. Um, so I'm going to run through my list. Um, we'll kind of break them each guy down a little bit. Um, and then I'll let you critique my picks. Does that work for you? Um, yeah. Or we'll just, let's just critique as you go. All right. That works. Um, you want to start at one or do you want to start at the bottom? What's more dramatic? <laughs> I feel like we should start at one. Yeah. These right. are yours. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number one, a guy I have on the list uh, is a guy who I, I think is the first time I mentioned his name on this podcast. That's a key Mesador uh, transfer from West Virginia. Um, I mean, he just seems like he's going to start at defensive tackle and maybe be Miami's best defensive tackle. The guy was a nose tackle uh, largely at West Virginia. And like, you know, we talk about John Ford, like the production wasn't there as a nose tackle. This guy has that production. I think he had like, four sacks last year. Um, you know, a guy who's been an all big 12 performer at West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's just like, that is the, the closest thing. I think you're getting to a star type addition uh, is Mesador, a guy who, who um, that defensive line, we're going to talk, uh, have a lot of defensive tackles that they've added. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously going to be pretty open competition, uh, which partially made me want to put him a little bit lower, but I just think his upside is highest of anyone on this lot on this list. Yeah, I think, I think it's very high. Um, I'm, you know, as far as favorite, it's, it's hard to know when you really haven't, I haven't seen, seen them, them yeah. yourself. I, it's hard for, you know, I, yeah, I look at stats. He actually had five sacks, I think. Sacks. And yeah. yeah. And he's, um, you know, all big 12 honorable mention as a sophomore. I mean, and he, and as a fresh, I guess, oh no, this was last year. No, four he was like a freshman all American. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, lot, uh, yeah, definitely big upside. Um, uh, I, I mean, there's some other ones I'm really keep keep going. There's some right. other ones that I'm. Uh, I mean, I, there most of them are really good. Most of these guys are really good. Not, but again, we haven't we haven't yeah. really seen. Right. Them. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like I said, Mesador, I think clearly like talent upside is the highest. But the one hesitation I had at putting him at one is just because there's so many defensive linemen. I like. He's kind of a, almost a luxury, as crazy as that is to say, because they've, I think they've done a really good job uh, adding talent through the portal at that position. You can clearly see that 
uh, Mario likes the trenches. Uh, number two, oh, yeah. the, the, this was the other guy I had as a contender for number one is Caleb Johnson, a linebacker from UCLA. Um, that's just oh. because linebacker is the biggest position of need, right? He's, I mean, again, another guy we haven't seen, but feels like he's going to start at linebacker. Um, and like I said, it's, I think, clearly the biggest weakness on the roster, and, and he has a chance to stabilize it. He looks really good to me. Um, <clears throat> really good. Very, very good numbers at, at UCLA. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, just, uh, you know, I, in the if last two seasons, I mean, he had, he had five and a half sacks um, in 2020. And that, and that year it was, you know, they didn't play as many games right. also. And he led UCLA in that year. He's had 17 starts at inside linebackers the past two seasons. Um, you know, seven tackles for loss. Uh, oh, that was only that was in 2020. They only played seven games. Yeah, and he had five and a half sacks. I mean, you know, last season and UCLA last season was eight and four, right? And they and at six and three in the Pac-12, he had 45 tackles, a pick, three pass breakups. I think he is a, a great upside. I think he's very big addition. Uh-huh. Uh, number three, I have Daryl Porter Jr., just another defender who I think cornerback, you know, is kind of one of the big talking points of the spring from the coaching staff was cornerback was a pleasant surprise. Um, but Porter has a, has a good chance to start, I think, opposite Tyreek Stevenson. I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be like a no-brainer that he starts opposite Tyreek. Uh, he's certainly going to contribute, though. Uh, another West Virginia transfer. Um, you know, I, again, I, I think a lot of guys who are just – Going to add to the competition here, and he he fits that bill for me. And he has three, yeah, and he has three years of eligibility yeah. remaining, right? So right. yeah, well, some of these other guys are coming in for one or two years. Like Daryl Porter is a guy who could start in twenty twenty two and be the starter through twenty twenty four or something like that. Mm-hmm. Did you see him play? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, good player. Dad is a coach at um at American Heritage too. Um, has been a, a assistant coach in South Florida forever. Um, for right. NFL safety, I think he played safety. So, um, you know, just like kind of high floor addition to me. Um, number four, I went with Antonio Moultrie, another defensive tackle. Obviously, he was here in the spring. We didn't really see him. Um, he's kind of like the, in a lot of ways, kind of like the high upside, maybe low floor kind of just because he's coming up a level, right? He was playing in what is is UAB, Conference USA. Um, So, you know, big jump, obviously, from Conference USA to ACC. Uh, UAB, though, good program. Um, So I – another guy who will be competing to start, I think, at defensive tackle. Yeah, and he also played – I think he also played some linebacker, too. um, Yeah, defensive end. Um, I think he – you know, he – kind of complements um, some of the nose tackles. It's kind of interesting. They, they added really two nose tackles and two, like, kind of defensive tackle, defensive end type guys. So uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk more about those guys later on. Uh, number five, we got Henry Parrish, um, which I thought – I originally I had him a lot lower on this list uh-huh. um, just because they're running back, and running back felt deep to me. But I thought he looked really good in the spring. Um, mm-hmm. And I – you know, we've got, I think as much as both of us like Cheney and, and Knighton, they are 
coming off injuries and did not play in the spring and have had a lot of injury history. Um, and then the other thing that struck that I remembered was at one point, you know, when Barry Jackson did one of his like people behind the scenes, give a scoop. They thought there's a real chance uh, Parrish could be the starter and, you know, a starting running back's got to be top five on this list. So I don't necessarily agree that he'll be the starter, but he's going to play a big role. And another guy with multiple years of eligibility, um, and you can never have too many running backs, as we've seen really over the last two years. I mean, yeah, he had over 500 yards uh, this rushing yeah, um, this past season. Uh, and he also can catch. Um, and, uh, and he scored a couple of touchdowns <laughs> in the spring game. And he seems like real twitchy, you know. He's, he just seems qu- very quick and a different kind of body to me. Uh, you agree that Don Chaney... Yeah, yeah. Cheney's always felt a little bigger to me. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, yeah. Knighton is the true like scat, like scat back, third down running back type guy. Has always felt like to me. Um, Parrish has a little bit of a blend, I think. Even though he's small, he's physical. Um, that's one of the things everyone yes. talks about. Um, and you know, he was one of the best high school running backs to come out of South Florida in a long time. Um, yeah, and you, again, you know, some of it, some of it isn't just it's how how are the other guys going to be? You know, I, hopefully Don Chaney's going to be, you know, hundred percent, but yeah. you never yeah. know off major exactly. injuries, surgery. And then the other thing is, um, you know, we know Mario Cristobal traditionally has been more of a ground and pound type guy than mm-hmm. than obviously Rhett Lashley is. So you're going to need more running backs uh, probably contributing than you did last year, um, right? I guess anyone you think I have too high or too low, just look, when I, when we mention them, but like, oh, you got well, to like, too high. I'm a, I'm big on. <laughs> well, the next because the next two are pretty interesting to me, where I think you could really make the case that they could be a lot higher on this list. Yeah. Yes. Um, number exactly. six, which is why exactly. I say that. Number six, I have Mitchell Agude. Agude. We're gonna have to figure out how to pronounce that at some point. Right. Um, he, you know, will compete to start at defensive end. It seems like Jafari Harvey is gonna start at one of the end spots. Um, but yep. that other spot seems wide open. I think a good is as good a chance as anyone to start there. Um, did not participate in the spring, but we have seen him a lot because he tends to be. A yes, practice. We have. Seems like he must be living in Miami and like taking classes online or something. Um, or, or maybe, I don't know. They haven't, it's just. He's not enrolled. I don't some of these guys. Yeah. I don't no. think he's enrolled yet or he would have been practicing. Yeah. Um, no, definitely. Um, so, he's uh, yeah. really, I think he's, boy, he looks, he looks the part. the part. Yeah. Like we see That's him all sure. the time. Six, four, two forty-five. He looks like solid muscle. Right. And, yeah. uh, um, I, I, I just, I like, I, there's something about him. I think he's going to be really good. I think he is good, but uh-huh. he, like he, he wrote, uh, or, or he announced on Instagram. You all remember the last time a kid went from yeah. UCLA to the U Right. And he tagged Jalen Phillips. He said, let's run up the sequel. I, I, I like his attitude. Yeah. Um, I remember I, I spotted them at the, the spring game. And I realized my tweet that I sent out about this never went through that they were like talking to each other on the field yeah, on the sidelines before the game. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Attitude. Big yep. position of need. Four, I mean, he, he had four forced fumbles, a yeah. fumble recovery, <laughs> two passes defended, Four forced fumbles, fumble recovery, two passes defended, six and a half tackles for loss, two sacks. I mean, this to me, I. You think I got yeah. him too low? 
Yes, I do. Um, I also think you have, you're going to laugh on this. I think Jacob Lichtenstein. That's the next one on the list. Number seven, I have Jake Lichtenstein. Um, yeah. Who, again, good. originally I was like, I put him at seven. I was like, ah, that might be too. Maybe no I should way. swap him in Moultrie. Um, I'm, I, I think I'm more con- intrigued by the Moultrie Mesador upside, um, which is how Lichtenstein gets stuck down at number seven but yeah i mean he was awesome in the spring game he looked good yeah, in the we've spring seen him, david i mean we yeah, have yeah. seen licked i know it was the spring i know it was the spring game yeah. but he's pretty imposing yeah he looks good super smart i you could tell he's a smart guy and um i don't know i really like him i think he's i think he has a i think he's gonna be really good yeah i think all three of these defensive tackles are going to play and oh yeah and I then think you've, uh, you know, it's, it's got a crowded position group all of a sudden because you've got, I mean, Jared Harris, a hunt. It's impossible to keep off the field when he's going. Uh, obviously, Leonard Taylor um, is just going to keep getting better. Um, yeah. Jordan Miller is, is always been a solid rotational defensive lineman. Um, so, you know, some people are going to going to lose some playing time here, but uh I like all the, the transfers they have. here. Oh, they need. And the thing is, uh, you know, uh, just like, just like the offensive line, but the defensive line kids get injured all the time yeah. and he, and they definitely need a rotation. They're the big, the big guys and they, they need to take some breathers and rotate them in. And um, uh, yeah, it's imperative. I, it was so smart that Mario went and got all these linemen. I mean, it's just, I think, and, and I don't know, I think it's, it was very smart, and I think it's going to be a big boost for UM. Yeah. Uh, number eight, I've got Frank Ladson, the Clemson transfer wide receiver, uh, mm-hmm. former, like, really big recruit, I think top 50. Um, oh, it didn't really blow me away in the spring, but we obviously know the, the raw talent is there. And I think he just brings a different dimension at wide receiver. They have so many, like, slot-type guys. Um, Ladson, right. Ladson's their best hope to be, like, a jump ball threat maybe catch a goal line fade or two. Um, but yeah, I, I think eight, I think that the top seven to me was kind of easy. Although there's one guy I have down pretty low on this list that uh, I kind of feel stupid, maybe having him that low, but at the same time, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I think lads in, it's got the upside, but got it really kind of improve it mode to me. Uh, number nine, I got Daryl Jackson, Maryland transfer, um, young guy, really impressive as a freshman last year at Maryland, um, a long-term addition to me. He's uh-huh. not, I don't think he's going to play a lot this year necessarily, but could yeah, be I mean, the I... nose tackle down the road, uh, to start for them. Um, which made me originally want to stick him way down at the bottom of this list, but I think he showed enough as a freshman that it's, uh. Yeah, I, I, we're getting low on this list anyway, but he had, hey, he, he had more tackles than John Ford. Yeah, that's true. He so. had 22 tackles as a true freshman, but, but really, I, uh, where, where'd you put, yeah. So number now, 10, number 10, I got Logan Sagapolu, which is the one where like, maybe I should have him way higher because he did start the spring game, right? I think. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. But I just kind of ultimately think he's going to be a backup lineman this year um maybe i'm wrong but like once you get rivers back i you, know, you got right obviously the tackle spots are kind of locked down center i like justice at left guard um but you know sagapolu the people like him around the team obviously he's really strong it's just small to me and and 
I, I wonder if he's a more well, obviously he's young too, so he, he's got a lot of eligibility left, but and smart. Um, I think he's another smart one. You know, I uh we have to see it's hard sometimes it's hard to tell on on the on the o-line yeah and i i didn't i i didn't want to get too caught up and we've seen these guys so i'm going to stick them high on the list I, maybe i maybe i like uh accounted for that too much in the other direction by like sticking lichtenstein down at seven but uh you know that that's i i think the i got the two linemen at the bottom of the list for a reason i just don't think they're necessarily going to start next year but they could be starting yeah. down the road um, number 11, rounding out the list, I have Jonathan Dennis, uh, another Oregon offensive line transfer originally from South Dade, um, was running as the backup center at Oregon in the spring before he decided to transfer. I think that's his fate at Miami, right? He'll be the backup oh, center. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ty Clark will start for yeah. a year or two more, and then Jonathan Dennis mm-hmm. maybe will be the center down the road. But I just think the linemen, like I said, for now, I'm, I'm more interested in their long-term potential and their depth they bring rather than what they're going to do for Miami in 2022. Any other thoughts? No, I mean, I I would go along with pretty much everything you said. Except like you said, stick a good but... Lichtenstein higher, maybe Logan yeah. Sagapolu a little higher. Maybe, but definitely Lichtenstein and is it Steen or Stein? I think now it's I'm Stein. Back. I think it's Stein. And, and the, Adam is Jacob. Adam Lichtenstein from the Sunset. Adam is Lichtenstein. And Jake is Lichtenstein. Yeah, he's whatever Adam isn't. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I like. It's it's kind of hard to tell. I might. It's always hard Darryl, to tell. Yeah, Jack Daryl Jackson down a little. I might Latson. I'm not sure. Mitchell Gude, I would have put higher. And Jacob higher. Yeah. And then the other ones mix and match. I don't yeah. know. I feel pretty good about the top three. Nessador seems like highest upside. Johnson, just position of need. Portal, Porter, like multi-year starter, they've probably gotten. Um, but yeah, then really anything Moultrie, Parrish, Agood, Lichtenstein, like you can really mix and match that next group, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. I think we can wrap things up there. Uh, you can follow Susan on Twitter at S Miller Degnan. Uh, she will be monitoring the transfer portal. That's that's your job now. Okay, thanks. It's nonstop. Twenty four seven trend. Although I, I mean, I think it's pretty much winding down. Yeah, yeah. The big name I in there, Mario- like I said, Jordan Addison from Pitt. Seems like it's going to be between USC and Pitt for him. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't. There, there'll I- be a guy or two. I'm sure Miami will pick up between now. Yeah, and, now. and I and remember, there are guys Miami's going to lose or right. have lost. You know, but they're names that just. You know, Daz Worsham, yeah, receiver entered very quietly. Deshaun Troutman, who had a legal issue. Legal issue, yeah, to say the least. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's. I think they're like goodbye. Yeah, they, no, no one from the two deep has transferred out. Yeah, Nelson Foley, the Australian. I guess he's on the two deep. He was the backup punter. Yeah, back. Uh, excuse me, but yeah, backup punter, uh, and then. Um, and then, and then there's some other guys too, that we're still, we're still waiting for official word, I guess. Yeah. So, um, I mean, where's Sam Brooks been? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of guys like that. Yeah. Mystery type guys. Isaiah, Isaiah Walker. Isaiah Walker. Yeah. I mean, guys who have had off the field stuff as well. So not, not like legal issues, but like, yeah. You know, unspecified personal reasons, things like that. So yeah, and Sam had injury. Sam had our yeah, Sam had injury. I know so, Isaiah no had injury. injury so. Yeah, I yeah. So there's always kids like that, and Mario will make sure that you know 
better for everyone that they go, you know, maybe yeah, like a guy like Daz Warsham seemed like he was pretty solid in, in spring this year, but just yes. squeezed out, right? Sometimes you get True. squeezed out. It's better for everyone to move on. Mm-hmm. For sure. Now, like no will, will, anything like that. Um, but just, it, it comes to that sometimes. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, you, like I said, you follow Susan on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson too. I am uh, getting ready for some Panthers playoff hockey. I guess a couple of games will be in the books by the time people listen to this, but uh, could be a busy, it's going to be a busy week with that. The heat F1 this weekend. It could be a busy couple of months though in, in South Florida. All right, uh, everyone, uh, thanks as always for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week.